10 of April 2022. Today we are going live on the Josh Tan Show. I have an interesting case for you today. But before that, I want to do a shout out, a very important shout out. This is a story about Pavel Durov. Do you know which app he actually founded? Let me give you some backstory. He actually left Russia after he refused to cooperate with the Russian secret service and provide encrypted data of his user. VK was the the app that he actually founded. It was once Russia's biggest social network. And because he refused to cooperate with, with the secret service, he was forced to leave Russia and he actually lost his company. He has since moved to Dubai and set up a second social media company and it is called Telegram. Today, Telegram is widely used, especially in that part of the world where there's a conflict. It is a secure messenger which allows Ukrainians to share vital information. And when he was challenged whether that conversations that Ukrainians have among themselves are secure, he pledged that he would definitely honor it. And this was his story because back then he did not compromise. And right now, he would double down on that. And I actually respect it. That's why I want to share that story with you. Now today, we have this case study. Let me pull it out for you. And as always, if you have questions, do leave in the comment sections because the whole objective is to really open up case studies and help you understand what you can do a bit better for yourself. Today's case, we have a guy, age 30, aiming to build up a million dollars and his current income is 40,000. He's staying with his parents and the important part is he's investing more than 50% of his income. That works out to be about $1,300 per month. Now, I know you may be thinking, you know, staying with parents, easy to save. That is true, but you know, we also know a lot of uh, friends who are staying with parents and yet choose not to work. Or we know of people who earn more than 40000 but are month-to-month living, no savings at all. This guy deserves all the praise. You know, that's why he's investing for his future and he's even contributing to his house, his parents' house. So I think no mortgage works, that's, that's true. And at this stage, he's single. So no kids, also easier. We talk about... Uh, this concept very often which is no kids is always the golden period to save there are no dependents on hand your your expenses are fully to yourself if you're single so if you're at this stage fantastic time to save but also you know frugality is very important something we mention a lot in this channel it's more important than flashing wealth when I talk about this I actually suddenly remembered I, I was with armor unit in army and I remember one day in my workshop because I spent a lot of time in the armor workshop then one day my staff sergeant actually drove in his brand new Alpha Romeo. I don't know how much it costs, uh, but again, that piece of uh, car is spanking new. I bet it's at least $100,000. Maybe he spent his bonus there. Maybe he's taken a big loan with it also. Uh, but with that in place, I think his expenses are going to inflate tremendously. You have, you have to agree on that also. So in always, you know, what we choose to buy and what we choose to commit is very much within our control. So as always, if you're looking to save more, audit your own expenditure, listen to stories that hey, people are actually able to save much and mix with the right people because ultimately with the right crowd, you are able to build your personal finances much easier. And just to share also, I've also calculated before, if you want to get to financial freedom or financial independence, retire early, you need at least 50% of savings, 50% savings rate. I've done the math before. With 50% savings rate and a 5% rate of interest, you will still need 17 years to build up 25 times of your annual expenses to get to fire. 
which means if you are 28, you need 50% savings rate for 17 years, 45, then you can reach financial independence retire early. So without 50% savings rate, there's no chance to get there. So very important. And this is a good case study. And as always, if you're watching this on a recorded channel, do leave your comments. I'll be picking them up. And let's see what's the first comment that will come as we discuss this case today. Then the next question is how to get to more than 50% of uh, investment rate or savings rate. It is possible, but the, the bottle cap of what I'm thinking of is probably he needs to increase the income. You know, if this income level, he can save 50%. The next level is how to beef it up while keeping his expenses tight. Ah, then you can get to 60% or 70% investment rate per month. That's where you can seriously build a lot of momentum towards financial freedom. And the key part is this, how to build income. Uh, this question came up in the previous podcast that we had over here. And my best answer when I reflected on it is skill. How to build a skill that is in demand in marketplace. I share with you, you know, MBA. MBA, I don't know if you follow it or not, but they also have pay scale. There are some players who are on the minimum contract, which means they're only paid $2.5 million. There is your qualified for MBA player. You're paid fantastically well already. In demand skill, but the base level is $2.5 million. Take a guess what are top MBA players actually making on their contracts. They are making more than $40 million. So again, the key part is you need a valuable skill and you need to be best in that skill. Then you'll be paid astronomical amounts. So carry that logic to building your own skills, whether you're in IT, you're in banking, or you're in tuition business. You have the, if you're the best tutor in Singapore, you can make a ton of money. And we have many friends who are in the education industry. Ah, thanks. <laughs> As always, leave your comments. It'd be much easier for us to have a discussion. Especially any points that you agree or disagree, feel free to share them uh, with me also. Let's move on to some other details that he has mentioned. That his insurance cost right now is $150 per month. From that case, he's shared that he's spending on health insurance, which is necessity, accident insurance, okay. And he has a life insurance, which he's thinking of cancelling to convert to a term plan. I have a point of view uh, to elaborate on this because many of us have whole life plans. His current expenditure is $150 a month only, correct? If we compare to last week's case study, they spend $17,000 a year, which is $100,400 per month basis. But that is for a family of four. This is single spending $150. I think the need to change to a term plan is not that urgent. It's not such a big cost. And there are pros and cons anyway. The, the problem is not big. Or rather, if he needs more insurance, yes, look for a term plan. But selling away that whole life plan and converting to a term plan to invest the rest, I don't think is the best idea. Simply because a whole life plan is permanent insurance, covers for life. And sometimes the premium can be completed in 10 years, 15 years, or maybe even 25 years at most. So there, there isn't a real urgent need to change to a buy-term investor difference. A term plan, as you know, is only covered for a certain defined period. And if you're not sure, a small whole life plan is definitely not excessive. That's my, my first take. But I guess a lot of you viewing this have insurance questions. And I think I can help answer that. Do you think it's excessive? Do you think you should buy more? Leave in the comment sections. I'll pick it up also. But for his case, $150 per month to convert to a term to save some money, I don't think it's the big need. Spend the time more on the investment portion than this $150 per month. It's not likely excessive really. 
So what we can next discuss is his dream. He wants to eventually build a million dollars pot because he imagines with 5% dividend payment from this million dollar pot, he can get 50,000. And 50,000 is more than his current income already. So I had a, a bit of uh, inclination to comment on that because you know building towards retirement is something that everybody aspires to. But also in this journey, right, towards building a million, I, I would like to suggest also, it's not a, it's not a straight line up. Which means when you have less than 100,000, you are very fixated. Oh, I would keep this expense level. I'll be happy if I build to a million. Your network of friends all have less than 100,000. But as you progress to the next level, when you have a few hundred thousand or you're closing a million, you realize your network of friends, they are a bit more affluent. It's, it's a very natural progression. Your thinking also changes. So don't set a goal that's fixed there. Oh, I need to get a million. Then I'm happy. Not true. Uh, keep building work on the building process a good long-term goal is good but your thinking would also change that's what i like to caution him also and oh <laughs> more comments coming in thanks chicking uh what's this uh jail inflation likely increase uh yes that is true one million dollars is definitely not going to be worth his weight 20 years later when this guy reaches 50 uh but also very often I have this question, is 1 million enough? Is 1 million not enough? Do also understand when we reach retirement, right? We also experience a deflation in our expectation. Never here before, right? Deflation in our expectation, which means now when you go to F&B, you choose restaurant, you might order a beer, a pint of beer. But when you are in retirement, you, you tend to pull back. This is from data. Retirees subconsciously cut back because of health, because of they know that they have no active income. They are a bit more prudent these things will actually balance out the whole inflation. On this channel, I mentioned food prices going up, oil prices going up. It's true. Hopefully, that is a temporary one-year, two-year problem that inflation starts to become more moderated. About 1 million may still be enough. Depends on our guy's uh, expectations in retirement. He can leave off 1,000 now. I think he can still leave off 1,000 uh, in retirement also without too much holiday, of course. <laughs> So back to your case, when, when we have a million dollars, he also mentioned that he wants to invest this for dividend. Just buy a stock, put it there, 5%. Maybe buy a REIT, like, uh, I don't know, some of the REITs, their biggest CICT, Ascenders REIT, they can produce 5%. But there are a few parts to consider also. When you have a million dollars and you are retired, you, you need to protect this a lot better, correct? You have no more active income or active income is very weak already. So you tend to get very conservative. And that brings certain problems because you might be risk-averse. You might start to not like market volatility. And the second part is what if the stock, the REIT you bought uh, doesn't do well? That can happen also. We've seen blue chips in Singapore start to go south. We've seen even American listed big names like Kodak. If you read business case study, you can buy Kodak. Kodak was once the biggest film seller. Or you buy Nokia, which was once the biggest phone. Things change. So when we come to retirement, we definitely need to diversify. Because if you buy a particular one company or a few companies, it's still not likely going to protect your portfolio enough. You're much better served with the entire index, the STI index or NASDAQ index or S&P index. But these two later ones, they do not provide that much dividends. STI with a lot of banking, uh, banking weightage to it does have the dividends to support your requirements. Okay, let's see over here. Single risk, subject problem market which is uh, true. Uh, but again, when we buy the REIT index, I've covered on the main channel a recent post on Cypher Plus. You realize that 
a REIT index have about 65% into Singapore properties. Our REIT players are investing aggressively overseas already. They've been buying UK properties. They've been buying uh, Australian properties. They've been buying US data centers, like for example, Maple Tree Industrial Trust. So property market is true, but the geographical risk may not be localized in Singapore. And you can choose sectors. You can buy the whole index, get offices, malls, hospitality, whatever. But there are ways that you can reduce that possible risk. Change is only constant. Yes, I feel that when uh, when we reach retirement, we, we kind of want things to stay constant, which is not true. It's like inflation changes, expectation changes, uh, or tax rate changes. There's a lot of things, which means we always continuously need to learn. We need to find ways to milk up some other income and not be fully dependent on your investment itself. Or if you want investment income, you should have property income, stock income, a lot of sources. Uh, then you're a bit safer. Or at least that's my approach. I believe it's fully financial markets. There's also certain risk to things. So change is always there. That's true. Don't stop learning. Don't stop adapting to move your monies. Not even in retirement. Something that I view differently. Lah. Very often we talk about retirement. We think sitting on a beach, be defensive. But being defensive is very dangerous actually. Because you realize that you are very scared of losing when you don't have new inflows. New question. Uh, what's the common amount for retirement for a couple to live in with a moderate lifestyle? Moderate, we need to define. <laughs> I, I, myself, my, me and my wife, we spend 11,000 plus per month. I've, but that's, that's not including a mortgage because mortgage, I put it with my rental income. But I've also seen private clients with more than 20,000 per month expenses. Uh, I've also seen much simpler scenarios so moderate is really very difficult if i need to put a number to that but let's use singapore's average 6424 something we covered in last podcast then the common retirement amount if you use that if you 6000 times 12 times 25 you realize that that number is quite big that number is quite big uh then the question again works to how you can figure out what is the core expenses Measure the core expenses first. Because if you plan for 6000 forever, that's going to be a big amount. And if you only want it for dividends, you don't want to consume capital. You realize you need 1.5 to 2 million. Not that easy. But if you want to consume capital, ah, then whatever you build up, you don't build so big, 1 million, you start to consume it. And hopefully you plan it adequately. Such that when you're 80s, you're drawn down quite a large part and just fully remaining on CPF life. That will reduce the amount uh, needed for retirement before you can get started. Hopefully, that's answered your question. There's no one rich billionaire. Uh, <laughs> maybe uh, the billionaires sell REITs. Uh, that's true. That's true. But billionaires know how to take risk. Billionaires see the world a bit differently than us. So investing index. That's true. That uh, what kind of index? Also, there are REIT index. There's STI index. There's US index. There are many kinds of indexes. NCT is getting more risky after merger. Very true. Uh, that, that reinforces. If you buy all you have in one company, you are beholden to that company. I see a lot on my channel, uh, fans of Tesla, for example. But again, when you're beholden to one company, things can change. Not next year, not five years, but things can change 10 years later. Steve Jobs actually left Apple when Apple was in shambles. We need to realize that such a phenomenal guy actually left the company the company was trash for a long while he came back if you follow the story things can go wrong when you choose a company so in retirement mode 
be defensive in diversifying. MCT is a great example. Right now, it's acquiring a sister, which means uh, while it's still in the same industry, dynamics are a bit different. Oh yes, basically 25 years of current expenses should be... Yes, correct. So there are a lot of ways to count. But I realize if we count just getting passive income, the amount gets very big. What I suggest is always to consume capital, be ready to consume capital. A lot of us are going to leave behind properties to the next generation already. So most Singaporeans own properties and that is a big amount already. But this this case, right, if you realize he's still staying with parents, correct? If his journey, he's going to buy a property five years later, then it becomes a big problem because he's going to sink in a lot of his cash. He's going to deplete his CPF OA. Now, that will set him back quite a lot. And whether he takes it or not, we don't know. But talking of this point, I do advocate anybody turning 35 to really consider buying a HDB for cash flow purposes. Uh, maybe I try to define it a bit better. When you each reach the age of 35, if you are single, you can actually buy a HDB. And the HDB, you can actually move your family there, your parents there, then rent out parents' flat. Or you can move there, you can rent out a room. Subletting, you don't need minimum occupancy period. Repeat again, subletting, room, you no need minimal occupancy period. You can move there, rent out one room, you can get yourself a thousand per month passive income from your HDB. And if your CPF always coming in, you pay a mortgage, you get thousand cash. Uh, so there are ways to work around it, which I think anyone that's uh, willing to, to learn, uh, it's not difficult. 35, go and buy a HDB at least. Uh, and most income ranges, single can actually reach that. So back to the point, he also prefers investing over CPF. Now, I prepared a different point of view to share with you in this uh, podcast. Right now, what we're seeing is inflation, correct? If you check out the latest Singapore savings bond, you realize that they pay slightly more than 2% already for a 10-year time frame. Now, we are closing in on 2.5%, which is the golden 2.5% of CPF OA. What I'm trying to suggest to you is moving forward, I think we need to challenge whether we need to pump so much into CPF, especially if an individual does not have too much excess cash because CPF is locked up. Last time, interest rates were so low. Singapore Savings Bond pay you 1% only, but now they are paying 2%. And I suspect in the next few months ahead, they could even pay 2.5%, something like that. We need to rethink this message of pumping money to CPF aggressively. I'd like to be the first to call that out to be, to be something that you are a bit more aware. Interest rate going up, you should expect the offers for Singapore Savings Bonds to give you 2.5% already, which means you need not park into CPF OA anymore. Understand that understand logic while you still maintain liquidity. So for his case, he likes liquidity, uh, pros and cons, make sure you use it well, over pumping to CPF. The message for pumping to CPF might be turning already. That's what I like to suggest to each and everyone that's listening uh, to this podcast. Look out for higher interest rates. We're also going to have the digital bank coming to our shores Grab plus Singtel and C Limited. Expect them to throw something special because they are they're going to break the market, right? If they come with one percent savings rate, you tell them to uh, fly kite. <laughs> Likelihood they will try to attract us with something new, which means my speculation is at least two percent. And then we are very interested, want to pump monies to the new digital bank. Then what's the point of pumping back to CPF? Correct. Once you pump there, it gets locked up. Might as well you hold back a bit on the cash, especially if you are. You do have too much surplus. So that's what I want to suggest. If you have surplus, then sure, continue to move money to CPF. It's still a very good compounder. But if you don't have too much surplus, you prioritize. And he has mentioned that 
he prefers investing over CPF. Yes, SSB would be more soon. Yes, indeed. Go and check it out. I'm expecting the May one to be even higher than the, the April one. Because interest rates were being charged by mortgage is already rising. I expect the banks to pay and the SSB to raise the rates. Passive income more multi for multiple streams. Uh, yes, in retirement, ties into just now's question. In retirement, look, that's the time to build multiple streams of income because your active income is gone already. In retirement, you need to be aggressive in building multiple streams of income just in case your financial assets have some problem, just in case your property has some problem. If you are writing or doing some freelance work, then good, it brings in a passive income that can reduce your risk in retirement. So hopefully I've covered a good rounding point for today's case. Let's let's touch on a few key points. The first, this guy, his income part and his ability to save 50% is something that we should all applaud. Everybody's choice is what you want to spend, what you do get into like cars, house that ties in your expenses. So if you can keep your expenses tight, it's possible to invest 50% even with a 40,000 income. Insurance wise, 150 per month for an individual seems low. Uh, I do believe there's no urgent need to do a buy term difference, buy term investor difference. But if you have too much of whole life plans, then the scenario is different. Look for a qualified advisor to run through what you can adjust, the pros and cons. Dividend of 5% from a 1 million pot, that's, that's cool. But also diversify this pot. Don't use a particular company. Some of the comments, MCT, all these companies can get into risk. And whether you should invest yourself or pump to CPF, I'd like to highlight now that moving forward, the allure of CPF may be dropping, especially if interest rates starts to rise. So if you have found some benefit, as always, smash the like button, smash the subscribe. Every Sunday, I'll try to do a talk show with you and run through case study to help you in your journey.